Hey team, welcome to another edition of the Rugby League Lounge Weekly Show. And once again, joined by Joel from League of Inches. Joel, how are you getting on, my friend? Good, mate. Good. Um, as I said, we're on that slippery slide at the moment. So finals footage just around the corner. Cannot wait. Yeah, man, it's exciting times for sure. And even though there's a bit to talk about, but it, it tends to get a little bit repetitive, you know. We just we we're pretty eager for finals. So it was pretty good timing. This round is retro round. So today we're going to go a little bit behind, you know, go a few years back, a few years back. Well, basically before I was born, I was a 1997 kid. So we're going to go retro. We're going to go look specifically at the 90s. And I've just um, conjured up a few questions, asked Joel, and that I've answered myself. So um, why not haven't actually asked you, Joel, but just when you think of 90s footy, um, obviously not being able to watch it. What what comes to your mind first off? Oh, mate, simply the best. <laughs> um, for, for me, I feel like it was, I, I've sort of seen some clips and my dad and that spoke to me about it and always talked to me about the 90s and things like that. And I talked to fans, the older kind, and they say that was probably the pinnacle of the game. Uh, the best time of the game was had. There was obviously some intense times with Super League and things like that as well, but all in all, oh, from what I've heard, it was really an exciting time for rugby league. It was a sort of a party atmosphere and fans were really into it. They were getting bumper crowds pretty much weekly and uh, the brand of footy was really exciting. So uh, how can you not forget some of the, the exciting teams that were in the 90s, like the Canberras, you got the, the Knights and you got the Broncos and there were just some really good quality games of football um, throughout that whole 90s era. Yeah, nah, for sure, man. Like, it feels weird. Like, you do hear, like, 90s was the best. And even though we weren't a part of it, I tend to kind of see why they believe that. And you look across all sports. Like, I just had a bit of a thought about NBA as well, basketball. It's when, like, you really – obviously, Michael Jordan, arguably the best of all time in that sport. I've got him actually behind me. You probably have noticed on numerous episodes. But, um, yeah, like, it was just everyone, everything – was starting to become a bit more professional. The competition was high level. I think back in the days, like St. George went on like an 11-year winning streak. I know in NBA, Bill Russell won about 11 finals in the span of like 13 years. So the competition got better and then we were able to produce better content because of it. It was aired more. Um, yeah, and just everything become more quality. Um, and yeah, so we'll get started um, with the first question. Now, this is kind of inspired by the Tiger Tales documentary that has just, just come up. Once again, I feel a bit, feel a bit, I don't know, a bit left out because I haven't been able to watch it. Being over here in NZ, I have to get a bit better kind of finding a stream. But it got me to ask the question, what is a documentary you'd love to see if you had to go back and watch something from the 90s? It's probably an obvious one, but I want to go a bit more in depth with the Super League saga and uh, go go in depth. I hear stories, Matty Johnson, that often say him is about where they actually were taken to restaurants like Macca's to to basically get told to sign a contract that is going to be the best thing for him moving forward. I'd love to have a documentary where we got to go in behind the scenes and sort of got to see those sorts of chats and just how crazy and in-depth and intense that sort of time was because I think a lot of us don't realise just how 
much the game changed in that side of it and the risk of it moving forward as well, like whether it was good or bad, that there were some huge um, changes in play and I just would love to go back and, and go behind the scenes with some some of the key chats that were had and uh, some of those boardroom meetings because I tell you what, it would have been great to be a fly on the wall. Yeah, you stole the answer, man. And it's one of those things, like we've heard a lot of information, but there's not a lot of that, you know, the visual side of it. And we hear a lot of stories and it's so fascinating. And even though we probably know a lot from, you know, just from listening to it, but just to actually see it, like you said, be a fly on the wall. The Matty John stories that he always tells about how he was basically, he was ready. He was ready to take the money offer and go over and then basically Gus Gould, got him and Joe aside and said, no, you stay here. And it's, it'll just be interesting. And I've also heard another view, like the Super League, obviously it didn't pan out, was not executed well. It only lasted only lasted a year, didn't all um Yeah, I think it was only split for a year, man. But the idea was there and it'd be interesting to see if there was a bit more thought behind it, behind it if it was, you know, executed a bit better, what, you know, the product would be today. It'd be really intriguing. But, yeah, that was that was definitely my answer as well. Another one for me as a Storm fan is just to know a bit more about the Melbourne Storm and how they got started. Obviously, one of the newer clubs um, coming to the league and they were able to win a premiership in just their second season. So it would have been awesome to go behind the scenes there, especially um, seeing Glenn Lazarus go out as a winner for, you know, obviously won multiple premierships elsewhere. But for him to go and second year at the Storm and win one straight at that. Yeah, that's pretty sensational as well. So if I wasn't to steal your one, probably that. And also just origin in general. But that can be covered across across many. Like the cat, I think the cattle dog st- story was within the um, 90s as well. So, yeah, an in-depth, in-depth documentary. That would be quite cool. Um, so also something else we want to... We, obviously... Like we said, we didn't watch much footy um, of 90s because we can only really watch replays. We watch highlights. And even though, as footy nerds, we do have a good insight of the legends of our game, we're not, you know, we don't have all the time in the world. We don't have all the access. So that brings the question, who or many of legends, is there one legend that you want to see more of or know more about um, in terms of their career? This one I sort of thought a bit about and I think I've done a bit of a weird, interesting answer actually is I actually want to know a bit more about Alfie Langer. Um, and some people might think that is a bit weird because you know quite a bit. But from my point of view, I only know Alfie as a larrikin. You only get told the, the joking stories about him and how much he loves to, loves a drink and he's the showman of um, the Broncos, things like that. But he obviously had a really successful career, one of the better um, players of his generation and there's obviously a big footy brain behind that um, persona that we see so I actually want to see uh, a bit more about and know a bit more about his actual footy brain and I know it might be boring to some but that sort of stuff I really love and really enjoy so it'd be just probably sit if I ever got the chance to sit down with him and just have a chat about general footy and what it was like because he was playing against some of the best um, playmakers of of the NRLs overseas, you got your um, Brad Fittlers, your, your Joey Johns, um, you could name a hate Ricky Stewart. Uh, there were some really, really good players back then, and he was one of the, the top of the, the crop. So uh, just to know about his footy brain, because as I said, there's the stuff that he's done on the field, there's more than just the jokeman that we all see uh, in, that, in that side and in that uh, player. 
That was, yeah, that was interesting you said that because I'm like, oh, and then I'm like, wait, so do I, because he got a very good point. We see the Larrigan, Larrigan, we see the origin game when he obviously come back from England and carved up kind of similar to when Joey Johns made his return to origin as well. And, you know, we, we know the success he had, but when you, I just like to, yeah, to pick apart his brain, because obviously, you know, we just see him now. On the yeah, on the sidelines, um, giving it to giving it to New South Wales boys or whoever he's training for the opposition. So, yeah, he's got that obviously funny side him, but obviously the B one, the best halfback the game can see. We know that you have to be pretty, you know, have to be a lot going on out there. And, you know, it's actually funny when you think about the larrikins that we see in the half position, you know, and how they were able to kind of switch personalities once they go on the field, but still provide a little bit of niggle as well. Um, and my answer actually is two halves as well. And there's two guys that really get compared and that, you know, some of the greatest halves we've seen, but kind of that tier below. And I think it's a bit to do with the competition they go up against and also, um, well, I'm just going to explain it by this they're quite a nuggety looking type they don't look like you know standard athletes not like some of the great halves do but you think how are they so great and that's two lamb and that's um cliff lines my two answers and this to bring up a point and i forgot to bring up the premierships before but i believe they both won premierships in the 1990s as well and we just talked about the competition they go up against and it's yeah a great feat but you just watch them and there's not much highlights but they just had this ability to play make even though you look at them and you think how do they get it done but they just seem to move across the field in a weird way and just know how to find their teammates um i think cliffy Lyon was a part of that great try that they scored against great britain as well um i don't know if he yeah i, think, I believe i got that right um but yeah and and also his connection with steve menzies on clarky's post the other day he put up the top the top try scores. He's number three. And I just think, I understand he played 349 games. And funny enough, Terry Lamb, who else we're talking about, he was just one above him, 350 games. But Steve Menzies had about 170, 180 odd tries. And I understand he played a lot of games, but he's a back rower. But their connection was just freakish. And I just loved to, I would, I would pay to watch all the times. It was a try. It was lines to Menzies. It would be great to see. And Terry Lamb, just to finish off with him, yeah, I've heard of his name being brought up and, you know, brought up in lights as well about, like, you know, I think he's a Hall of Fame player, but, you know, even maybe skimming the kind of immortal conversation as well, I've heard before, obviously not as pronounced as the Lockyers and Fitlers, but, yeah, just love to know a bit more about them and uh, hopefully get more access um, access to highlights um, in the near future. Now, we'll go on to the next question. Um, a player type that would have thrived in today's game in the 90s. So I'd like to, you can start us off. If you're struggling with this one, Joel, I don't mind kicking it off because it was probably kind of a hard one to digest, but fire away if you've got an answer. Uh, oh, I've got one. Um, I'd actually love to see the young Brad Fiddler um, in amongst these this day and age because he had such a good footy brain uh, that I think that lacks these days. And uh, I think his smartness would just, tear oppositions apart and I think the last player that had a similar footy brain was probably Cooper Cronk and and Cam Smith but they've both obviously left the game now I think especially this year with not no those two not here and, and Jonathan Thurston not here the game's really missing that real footy guy and Nathan Cleary can probably be the next one but he's still a little bit fresh um, but 
I would have just loved to see Fittler control the game um, with his skill, with his brain. He's not the fastest, not the most skillful, but he's just got that footy brain. He can just get in there, get things done, dictate terms. And I really think he'd actually really do well in this sort of a game, especially with a lot more tired forwards getting around with the new rule changes and things like that. So, and the less interchanges than there was back then. So, yeah, I'd have to say uh, Brad Freddie Fittler. I think that's a really great answer. Yeah, like you said, the ruck speed is at an all-time low, all-time high, I should say. So to be able to have that playmaking ability and just such an all-round footballer, like you said, he is definitely going to take advantage of that. And especially if you say he's like at his peak of his powers, really knows his craft or watch out defences. Yeah, that's a really good answer. Um, And also, just to summarise your point, I'm going to be mentioning, I'm actually going to give, was going to give this guy a shout out um, later on, but really, he's really going to be a good promotion here today. Um, The rugby league guru always says um, if he could clone one player and they they just fill your whole team, 13, 17, Brad Fittler would be the answer. And I completely understand that answer. Um, He probably, if I was, I miss watching Freddie play, but I definitely see when I watch highlights, he is so well-rounded and at such an elite level. And to answer that question, my answer is I always pick Luke Lewis. Just He's a guy that I always answer for that because, like you've seen, he was wing, won a premiership as a winger, won a premiership as a second round and playing the halves a lot. That's going off topic, but that would be my answer for that question. Um, Now, my would be, you mentioned him a little bit briefly earlier, but Ricky Stewart um, and just that, and also Alfie as well, just that natural halfback. Now, I think today, in today's game, look, Joe John brings it up a bit. We They get coached so much how to run structures, very much, you know, methodical kind of ways of playing um, that they just really don't play what they see. They expect everything to kind of be, you know, go through the motions as such. Eyes up footy is definitely kind of missing in a lot of young half's game, and it's really hard to see. We always talk about, now Nathan Cleary is fantastic, but there's a clear gap between him and the rest, and I think that is the main skill that's there. And he is a structured half as well, to a degree as well, but he has really come of age. Um, but, yeah, he's just been able to pick apart, pick his moments. Yes, play the structure, but don't rely on it. And Ricky Stewart was fantastic. He had such an all-round skill set. He won the best playmakers when I look back at highlights and the, the a variety of kicks, the variety of passes he had in his arsenal. And when we talk about Alfie Langer, just that fear, that I should say fearless mentality to take on the line, even though you're a smaller bloke. Now, I understand probably got more physically, you know, um, you know, physically dominating athletes now. But at the end of the day, there was you know, a bit more leniency with the shoulder charges and all that back in the day. So it would have been just as scary back then to take on the line. So for me, it would have been that kind of eyes up footy half, the one that really took the took the um, game by the scruff of the neck. Um, yeah, any any comments on that one or should we move on? To oh, that? mate, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's, as I said in the, when I mentioned that the Fittler one, that, that footy brain at the moment, I feel has lacked a lot especially this year there's that golf so um i think those sorts of players would absolutely have a field day Mm, yeah now for sure man and we're just going to talk about similarities in today's game um i'll be very interested to know 
Uh, oh, sorry, no, actually, no, we'll, I will go into that one. Yeah, similarities in today's game. So things that you see kind of still, they're there in the 90s and they're still there today. Um, anything in particular kind of, you know, you know, set up a light, um, set up a light bulb for you? Look, I actually don't think there isn't, there's not much at all. Uh, I think the game's changed quite a bit. And we've, we hear this all the time from people saying, I wish the game would go back to how it used to be played and uh, it was a better product all round. Uh, I don't think, I thought about this quite a bit this afternoon and I can't really point my finger on anything. If I can say something about the last month, it's obviously the try celebrations. That used to be a big thing back in the 90s. Beautiful. Um, people Good used answer. to get into it, but that's only... Yeah, that's only a sort of a once-off promotion. I hope it keeps going because it is good to watch, but I think the game has changed a lot. So there's some good things and some bad things that have changed, but overall, I feel like from the 90s to, to the, the game we have now, it, it's a huge difference. And um, that's one of the reasons why, for me personally, when I look at stats, and it's so hard to compare eras and things like that because and always doing these greatest teams of all time because... They all play with different sort of rules and the way things were and all that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, for mine, to find similarities, I've I got to tell you, I don't think there's much at all. Yeah, no, nah, for sure, man. I I kind of had a bit of trouble on this one too, but I thought of Victor Radley, and I think he kind of resembles a lot of what's in today's game and then what's kind of used to be back in the day. Um. Look, we don't really, I don't really associate anyone particular with like that ball playing. I think it's a lot more finesse now. Like, and I think teams kind of, you know, use like I've heard a lot now. The spine is now five players, including the lock. It wasn't quite like that, but there was some skillful forwards back in the day. And you saw that in the off, there was a bit more freedom to offload the ball. Obviously, Victor Radley's more of a, you know, he will engage the line, then pass rather than he's less of an offloader than um, some players. But he had that ball playing ability. He's also, he's a workhorse. He gets into it. That was a trait that we used to see in a lot of the older players. And um, personality, you know, you can't, and I think we are doing a better job of now embracing personalities in the game. There's a little bit of a fine line there still. But I think, yeah, when I think of the 90s, I do think of those bubbly personalities and Victor Radley is one of them. Um, also with Victor Radley as well is, look, he got in a bit of Barney Rubble about it, the old the game against the Broncos when he, he got put on report about four times. But, hey, he still wants to bring that aggression. And that was definitely there in the 90s. And obviously, they're trying to rule out the game for good reasons sometimes too. Obviously, safety first. And, um, yeah, we've, we've got to... You know, we've got a brand to protect as well. So I understand that. But yeah, Victor Radley actually summarises for me a lot of today's game and the game that we used to see back in the day. Um, I realise I skipped over a couple of questions, my man. So we'll quickly go. Um, so we talked about player types that would have thrived in the 90s. Is there anyone in particular from now that would have thrived, um, yeah, back in the 90s? I think like Joel Mitchell. Um, a really big body. Um, he's big, fast, skillful, uh, sh- really strong. I think that that's similar to your Mount Meninga type figure from back in the nineties, and I think he that would do exactly the same as what Mount Meninga did. And um, he's just, I just think he's an absolute freak. He's a class player. Uh, I know he's got some doubts out there from previous years, but I tell you what, back in the day, if he was centre, 
Uh, apart from Mal Meninga, there's probably not many that can contain him. So I reckon Latrell back in the 90s would just cause absolute mayhem. Yeah, I think that's a really good answer. Hey? Yeah, no, for sure. It would have been interesting, I think. would have been interesting to see if we would have rivaled Mal and, and just envision the um, centre matchups they would have had in origin. And okay. even probably the more realistic one would have been, obviously, we're obviously not in the 19s, but only a couple of years ago, it would have been cool to see him and GI both in their prime. Um, but yeah, we can only dream about that. But I've gone with uh, my favourite player of all time, Billy Slater. Obviously, Billy has been kind of, Tagged as one of the guys that kind of changed the game or should I say changed the way the fullback role was played. And it would have just been interesting to see if that was introduced a bit early in the 90s and would have probably really changed the fabric of how we saw um, 90s. Obviously, he was a hard hard worker. High um, His high-intensity work was just unbelievable. But obviously, added that playmaking ability when his career developed. So it just would have been interesting how that would have translated um, earlier on because I think teens yeah I think the footy was obviously starting to change it was a bit more um, yeah a bit more structured than that so it kind of yeah looked obviously it was it, it seemed like a smooth transition it would have seen if you just put them in there he had all the knowledge that he has now from what he's what he learned and see there it would have just been really interesting to see so for me Billy would have been interesting and yeah it would have been interesting to see who what other players once Billy Billy did it. Obviously, we've seen Teddy, we've seen Roger Tuivasa, Sheck, and obviously heaps of others now kind of adapt. It would have been to see the other legends that would have picked apart his game as well. Because fullbacks back then, they were just kind of runners of the football. Lockyer was able to kind of, Lockie kind of introduced it as well. He had a little bit of a playmaking game, but not to the sense, not to the same level as Slater or the, the same effect that Slater had, I believe. Um, but I could be a bit biased because he is my favourite player of all time. Um, now we're going to get a lot off. of Clive Churchills. <laughs> what was that? So he would have won a lot of Clive Churchills yeah. back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, now nah, good point. Um, now we're going to go on to a player that probably, depending on the era, his game might have changed. So we're going to do an example for both. So, is there anyone from the 90s that you think might have had a completely different role playing today? I reckon ET, Andrew Anyhausen, um, played most of his career um, sort of in that centre position, played a bit of wing and fullback as well. I actually think these days, if he was playing, he would have actually made a 5'8 uh, and a pretty good one, a bit of a ball runner, got a bit of skill as well. So, um, yeah, I've gone the old ET. Uh, he's off there doing his fishing adventures now, but um, I think if he, if he was... To- <laughs> If he was to be playing at the moment, I think he'd be at that sort of five-eight uh, role. Mate, I loved it when um discovered off topic, but I saw the other day you were watching as well. I'm a big Survivor fan. He was on the All Stars yeah. and seeing him pop up, I was like, oh my god, ET, and seeing him do the old fishing shows. He was doing the uh, Fish of Origin, I believe, with JT and a few of the others. So it was real cool to see. But that's an interesting one. I think, yeah, you know, obviously. Um, it would have been interesting to see how he would have translated into a different role there, but I do see that user speed and a different, um, and a different dynamic there. So yeah, I like that answer. And um, I've gone with, I've gone with Mel Meninga because you compare him to the trial and I say, but when I look back and maybe it might be in comparison with who he was up against, but man, he, 
he was he looked bigger than GI. He looked bigger than Latrell, uh, and but he looked more a bit broader. Like I think Latrell and GI, obviously, I think they were more athletic and more had more speed. So for me, and I was actually, and this is where I was going to shout the guru out. He said he probably thought he would be in the back rower um, potential as well. And I, I see that. I think. Um, yeah, the body type he was and the abilities that he was able to display. David Fafita-like. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I think just to kind of, yeah, exactly. And just to swing into my next one, it's kind of someone that I think they would kind of reverse roles. I think a bit more mobile, a bit more athletic. I think Jason Tamalolo would have had a really would have been interesting to see. I reckon he might have been like the male back in the day. I reckon he might have shifted them out to the right centre. Do you think that would have been a possibility or do you think, nah, they would have stuck in the middle? Uh, I can't see him as an outside back. I, I would have kept him in the middle. I think he would have been even more devastating. So mm. uh, if anything, maybe a second rower and just be that edge damaging back rower. But um yeah, I don't know if they, they change him too much. Because I know he's not like his main, his biggest appeal isn't footwork. But I think if his footwork compared to the forwards back then, and yes, you could think, oh, well, then take advantage of that. But mm. I wonder if the, the the process of thinking back then would have been not to do that and just thought, oh, no, the mobile, athletic, um, good footwork players play in the centre. So that's what we'll do here. And we've got the best one of the lot. So... Yeah, it would have been interesting. Was there any player that you would have seen that might have changed roles um, that is currently playing in today's game that would play differently in the 90s? Uh, I actually would have thought Gutho would do a pretty good job um, at five, like a 5'8 with a dominant half. So I could really picture him playing alongside someone like Ricky Stewart or Andrew Johns. And just he's got a real good engine on him. So he would just run all day for him, run off him. He's a really good support player as well. So, the, like the Knights, for instance, had a really good forward pack back then. Uh, same with the Raiders and things like that. So, for him, I think back then, you the footy players are real sort of tough footy players. They just got up after a hit. That's sort of what how Gutho plays his footy now. He's not the spectacular, most skillful player out there, but he just doesn't stop. And I think that would have really suited the 90s sort of style and how they all sort of played the game back then. Yeah, that's a good answer. I definitely would have seen that. And Gaffo is like a Swiss Army knife in a way. He's obviously filled in a few different positions um, and fight, found his home at fullback. Mm. But yeah, I could definitely see that. But he just, he definitely has that old-style footy feel about him, um, just a pure yeah. footballer, like we talked about with Freddie Fittler earlier before. Um, my answer to this... Um, oh, no, I've already said my answer, so we'll move on to the next question. But yeah, no, I think... Yeah, for me, Jace and Tamalolo, uh, Jace and Meninga. Yeah, I could just see them switching. Could just really see them switching. But we're going to finish off. Now, this is really hard. Imagine that as a player. Jason, imagine Jason Meninga playing together. Goodness me. That is the ultimate footballer right there, guys. Jason Meninga together. Just add in a bit of JT's feet and you're all good. Wow. And they would have been been able to play both for Tonga and Maroons and there oh. would have been no eligibility eligibility Jesus. at all. Wow. <laughs> all right. Uh, we'll finish off with a bit of fun right now. It's pretty hard sometimes to obviously determine who would have been your favourite player, you know, because obviously you get caught up in the moment. A lot of it can be time and a lot of it can be who you start supporting. Um, 
because for me, I remember like Billy Slater was the first name I saw kind of um, on TV and the highlights stuck out and watched the storm. So that's kind of how I become a bit of a fan of the storm and Slater. So, but who, who do you believe you would have found yourself rooting for, um, for Joel or any player in particular, or even a team in particular? Um, yeah. I mean, I, your family would have still had an influence or yeah. Yeah, well, look, I, I wanted to go away from the para side of things for this video, so I, I chose not to choose an ex-para player from the 90s. Uh, I've gone two players for mine who I get attracted to the speed machines, the excitement machines. I really like that in the playoffs. why I love players like the Fox at the moment. Yeah. Um, for mine, I would have loved Steve Renoff. Uh, he was an absolute freak back for the Broncos and, that black headgear that he had, he was just an absolute speed machine. Um, the other one I've really, really, uh, I actually got to watch him a couple of times I can remember briefly is Brett Mullins. Uh, yeah. As a fullback, all running fullback, he was a crazy player and he scored some thrilling length of the field tries. And he was really the first player for mine to put that real running fullback uh, into play and just show how dangerous having a good fullback can be for your side. And, um, I think he was there for the Roosters and then the Raiders for a bit as well. And I just feel like both him and Renoff for mine would have been the two players I would have followed if it wasn't for my Parramatta allegiances. <laughs> right, it's quite funny. There they weren't my two answers, but it's funny I thought of them. And Renoff's one, I just remember that try that he scored against the Dragons. Um, mm. It was fantastic. Just speed to burn. And Brett Mullins, that try, the chip and chase. Probably the best chip and chase try I've seen. Kicked it over. If um, our viewers or listeners aren't familiar, basically chipped it over the top of the defensive line. Got a bit of a bounce. Couldn't catch on the full. Had to kick it on the run as well um, without catching it. Perf and then perfectly set up over the fullback and scored. Yeah, so, and that probably goes back to my question earlier. He's someone I'd like to know a little bit more about as well. Mm. Um, yeah, now some great answers. Yeah, I actually thought you were going to say Nathan Blacklock there for a second. Um, probably oh. played a bit of, bit of both eras as well. But, yeah, he was one that come to mind too. His chip, chip and chase try, um, I believe, to win. Oh, I can't remember who it was against. But, yeah, beautiful try that was and speed to burn. Unlucky not to – I think he only played one game for Australia. He might not even played for New South Wales. It's just crazy to think about that. But, look, if I had to answer the Storm, look, I might have actually been attracted to Storm because, hey, there was a new team on the block. I could support someone new. There was – and then the guy that stuck out for me was Tarir Nikau, being a Kiwi as well, and was fantastic in that grand final. Was just, oh, I watched that grand final, and every time he had a contact with someone, this is how I'd sum up his performance. Every time he hit someone, every time he was just individual battle, he'd win that battle. It wasn't anything splash. It wasn't as memorable as a grand performance, grand final performance like Benji of the flip pass or anything sensational like that. But, man, he was just in everything. But... If it was a someone just purely talent-based that I kind of, and I think about Billy and I think about the type of player I like, I think about Brandy Alexander. And I also like how he presents himself in today's um, today's game as well and commentary as well. Soft-spoken, obviously, got a good footy brain. And, yeah, it's not a calm, calm cool character. But watching him play, and I was, I've got to shout him out again. I was listening because I was thinking, hmm, Guru put a post um, podcast out about Loz who would you rather have, Loz or Brandy? And I thought, I better, I'm going to listen to this. And he summed it up brilliantly why I love Greg Alexander. Obviously, he had the speed, he had the skill, he had the playmaking ability, he had the ability to play halfback and fullback. 
So nice, well-rounded school and just also um, Guru mentioned that he could play on the wing as well, but he summed it up really well. He was a great instinctive footballer. He was able to utilise those skills to a full advantage because he just knew where that ball was going to bounce. He just knew what the defensive line was go- where the defensive line was going to be. And it was actually interesting listening to that podcast. I didn't actually realise the tra- tragedy that had happened and why he had to leave the spot, um, leave the Panthers because his brother passed away in, in 1992, I believe. So that was a year after he won the premiership. Um, yeah, which is really sad news to hear. Um, and then obviously had a stint at the Warriors as well to finish off his career. So, yeah, that was kind of some sad news to hear after wanting to know a bit more about his footy. But, um, yeah, he was Rookie of the Year in his first year and Dally M Player of the Year the next year after. So, sensational achievement. But, yeah, for me, he just had this freshness about him and this young look about him that kind of, even though he didn't have the similar play style to Billy, there were similar traits that did kind of attract me to Billy Slater that would, I think, would have attracted me to Brandy as well. So I think he would have been my answer. Um, do you have any little memories about Brandy, mate, or um, just kind of what you see in the commentary team? Yeah, sort of, I don't have any memories uh, of him. Obviously, he was one of those freak sort of players. And um, just I sort of second what you say, just how he holds himself. He um, is enough himself. He doesn't have that demeanour about him. He's just a really good, honest uh, worker. And... Um, obviously that would just translate from how he was on the footy field. And uh, he talks about often his, uh, Brad Fittler talks about if he didn't have Alexander at the club when he first was coming through, he probably wouldn't have been the player that he ended up being. And that's for mine a huge uh, statement uh, for what uh, Brandy Alexander is like and not just as a player, but as a person. And I think the best players out there are generally the best people off the field as well. So um, he obviously has both of those in spades, and uh, one of the, one of the guys I'd really love to sit down with one day and just have a yarn to and just talk all things footy because yeah, he does some wonderful things for both Penrith and, and the Blues at the moment, and it's clear he's just got one of those. I'd probably say I would be probably the top five footy brains in the game at the moment. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. And see, he is one of those faces when I see on TV. I um I listen, you know, he's just got that demeanor about him. And I think you yeah, touched on, we talked about similarities earlier. I think at the end of the day, you know, the best players are probably the best people. You know, they still care. They care themselves with, with pride and they, they showed it in the footy as well. So I think there were some nice words to finish off the pod. So I think we'll, the video, I should say, so we'll leave it there. Um, I'd love to thank, thank you, Joel, for coming on and talk a bit of retro footy there. Um, obviously, it, it feels a bit funny because like we said, we weren't able to watch it and sometimes it feels like, you know, how can you value our opinion when we weren't there? But it's cool for us to reflect, go back in time and, yeah, to think, you know, what could have been as fans back then. So I really appreciate you coming on, Joel. And um, if you've got if you got any final little plugs or words, um, yeah, just yell them out, mate. I actually still remember to this day where I was um, when – that penalty trial was given in the, the Dragons versus Melbourne Storm Grand Final. So I do have a little bit of memories about the 90s. It's only very late, um, but I was driving. Oh, I wasn't personally driving. I was sitting That's in the car. Like um, I, I, yeah, on the way back from Sydney down to Wollongong and uh, was in the on the radio. So I was listening to that and I could. it was me and my dad in the car and I remember just basically it was, went silence as soon as the referee made that call and, it, we didn't get to watch until we got home, but wow, I can still picture it to this day. I was just, I was in shock, and I was only what 
eight or nine years old back then. So it's it's crazy this sort of game and the memories it leaves you with. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, no, and yeah, we'll leave it there, guys. Once again, thanks for listening and we'll catch you guys next week. Cheers.